welcome back to the Real Lovers Podcast. My name is Marley Silverbrand, and I'll be your host as always. And we are continuing our trek, our journey, our exploration of the Letterbox Top 250. And the film we're featuring today is the 1998 Saving Private Ryan film directed by Steven Spielberg. And joining me uh, for the discussion of this film is Matt Vella, the host of the up- upcoming Attractions podcast and an award-winning filmmaker. Did I get that right, Matt? <laughs> uh, yeah, not not like this movie, but yeah. Not like yeah. This movie, yeah. I've got a few under my belt, yeah. <laughs> Matt, welcome to the Real Lovers Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing great. I- I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a really long time. And ever since I started, I, I told you I'm doing a series where I'm just watching as many of these Letterboxd Top 250 films. This was the first movie that you uh, that jumped out at you because you you haven't seen it before, right? Uh, I saw it, but like I was very little, so mm-hmm. all I could really remember was well, actually, as I was watching it, a lot of it came back to me. But um, oh boy, man, I feel like I feel like we messed up because <laughs> what's there to say about this movie that hasn't already been said, right? It's such right. an iconic classic movie. <laughs> well, it's a Steven Spielberg film, and uh, I think at, at this point, it's kind of like a cop out thing to say that it's. Steven Spielberg is the goat. Uh, so uh, it's pretty much every movie that I watch from his, it's, I've never really had like a, like a bad experience watching it. And um, yeah, it's Bro, Steven Spielberg it's, is the goat. <laughs> it's insane. Like you just, you just look at his resume and it's not only it's, Oh, this movie changed the genre. This movie changed history. This movie did this. But on top of all that, like, how many other directors do you know that can just completely champion and master a genre or multiple genres? Like he's done horror, killed it. Sci-fi, killed it. Uh, Family-friendly comedy, adventure movies, killed it. War movies, killed it. Like what can't can't he do? Musicals, he's freaking destroyed. He's done animation. He's, He's literally done everything and nothing has been bad. It's, it's insane. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but but yeah, we'll we'll get into our official review in just a few moments. But I always like to start off the show with uh, what we've been watching. But Matt, since you're the host of the upcoming attractions podcast, I decided to turn, put a little spin on this. Uh oh. Uh oh. So let's do uh, what we've been watching trailer edition like if you've been watching any trailers if you haven't if you you haven't uh like you can continue to like talk about like what else you've been watching but since you're the host of the upcoming attractions we might as well talk about some of the trailers that that just came out oh that's a that's a good question um what okay so obviously this week the hype is about the flash we're getting the Mm -hmm. early screenings and i i think that's one of the coolest trailers i've seen in a while mm-hmm. i know a lot of controversy i know a lot but like we've heard all these rumblings about like behind the scenes people have been like it's one of the best superhero movies ever made and i've been from the camp this is all bullshit this is just what this is just them trying to save grace but now we're getting the early like reviews out and people are backing that up and that trailer is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's blowing my mind right now. 
Um, what other trailers have blown my mind? Um, the Ninja Turtles trailer looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Seth Rogen basically doing super bad with the Ninja Turtles, where the teenage Ninja Turtles are going to act like teenagers for once. And my boy Jackie Chan is Master Splinter. And the art style is very Spider-Verse inspired. Holy shit. Um, uh, what other trailers are really blowing me away? There's a new Jennifer Lawrence movie. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be great, but it's called No Hard Feelings, but it feels like a throwback to like early 2000s raunchy comedies type thing. That's the and... one where she's like, she's not a prostitute, but the parents basically hire her to kind of... <laughs> this sounds really it's, it's, bad. They but, say but... date her... They say dates, but I think they want the full experience type thing. Yeah, because the it's kid's a... like a nerd and I don't that that trailer is to me is it's a little cringe, but just just because it's Jennifer Lawrence, I know that she's gonna bring like a little something extra to it. And Yeah. It, it, part of you makes you go, Jennifer Lawrence, why are you doing this? Like you are an Oscar winning actress. This feels beneath you, but for some reason that makes me feel like Look, she wants to step out of a comfort zone. She wants to try something new. Um, look, I'm not saying it's going to be good, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and and of course the the one I, the one that I know you and me uh, both want to talk about is uh, Fast X, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if both of us. <laughs> Well, I know you're a bit. I know you're big. Um, you, you talk about Fast and Furious a lot on your on your channels. Yes, um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, I do. <laughs> but I believe you come from a similar camp to me. I think where it's like for me. Well, I don't know about you. Sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But for me, it's like I like seeing how dumb they can. I love it. I love how it's just dumb popcorn fun. Mm-hmm. But but I am fine with the last few films. They're starting to like before it was like. It was fun to laugh at it, but now they're in on the joke and it's becoming less fun. And I, I, I like it when they take themselves too seriously. I want them to keep going. I like them to do like saving world with the world with cars is insane. I, I love that. They think that's just like, that's a normal concept. You know, I love seeing it get taken to the extremes. Um, I don't have a lot of hopes for fast X. Um, but that was a good trailer, I suppose. It, it was definitely better than everything I saw from Nine. Nine was pretty disappointing. Yeah, Nine was just kind of out there and just balls to the wall. This kind of seems like it's going back to its roots. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a fan, I guess, of Louis... Uh, Lit, Lit, uh, what's his... What's Louis... Uh, it's a French... Oh, the director? Yeah. Uh, um... Oh god, replacement Justin Wong. Um I'll pull it up. I can pull Justin it up. Justin Lin. Justin Lin. Oh sorry, uh, Justin sorry. Wrong wrong uh wrong Justin. I'm yeah. I've been playing I've been playing a lot of Street Fighter lately and there's a there's a there's a player called Justin Wong, my bad. Uh Louis Latoria <laughs> L- I think that's his name. I'm just gonna butcher it. So it, yeah. it's cool. But um I like I've I've only seen one of the transporter films and based on the trailer, it's it's very much a transporter film because there's a ton of explosions and I'm going to reserve my judgment until I actually see it, but it's, I, I, I don't know. I, it, I miss Justin Lin just being behind the wheel. I know he's still a producer, but 
it's it's very unfortunate that you had to leave. So yeah, so that director who um, is now directing Fast X. The reason I think he's such a good pick is he directed this movie called Now You See Me. Have you seen Now You See Me by any chance? I have not, unfortunately. Dude, it's <laughs> it's so stupid. It's basically Fast and Furious, but instead of saving the world with cars, it's saving the world with magic tricks. <laughs> Which is so stupid, <laughs> but it's got big blockbuster tentpole like movie franchise like freaking stakes. It's over the top, and that's what that franchise needs. So, um, I have I have some faith, not a lot of faith, but I have some faith in Fast Stakes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I at this point, like I've said this before on my on my on my TikTok and just at, like the podcast. The Fast and the Furious is just like a family reunion with me. It's just, I show up to it every single year. Maybe yes. it's good, maybe it's not. And then I'll move on with my life. I love so, that analogy. Yeah. It's a, it literally is like a family reunion. You show up, you move on with your life, and you manage to sneak in the word family. And that's just, mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. Right. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the trailer The trailer is fine. Like, I'm, I'm here for Jason Momoa and... And um, Brie Larson, but yeah, it's we'll see. We'll find out like next month. It's out next month. Um, I, I it's it's soon. I think it's like two or May, three weeks, maybe um, May nineteenth. I think. Yeah. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me flip the question here. Are there any trailers or movies upcoming? Oh, I, I'm, I'm my most anticipated, by the way, is Dune Two. Like that's. Yes, please. Well, yeah. Yes, since please. you just since you just re- reversed the question on me, Dune yeah. Dune Part Two is that for me? I was not really the biggest fan of Dune Part One. I kind of fell asleep in the theater. I, I will shamefully admit. I will shamefully admit. What? I just I just didn't hit. I I just did not like it. It for for some reason. It it just wasn't for me. It was very slow and just I I. I don't know. I felt like it was wow. half a film. I felt like it was half a film, which it definitely was because there's two parts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I just and it felt like it just ended like it like it just cut off a, like I expected like some big conclusion and some something like that and it just ended. And I don't know. I'm Doom Part 2. I'm loving everything so far from the marketing. I think it's really great. But another trailer that just released just i think it was yesterday uh black mirror season six oh yes Netflix. i yeah. have been anticipating this this show for the longest time after that really awful bandersnatch black mirror yeah the, i wasn't the, crazy about bandersnatch yeah <laughs> the interactive video game quote-unquote video game that it, that, it was a cool experiment but it's just it was it's not yeah, black mirror I, it's yeah. not black mirror uh yeah but i i don't know i'm I, i'm super excited for that that is out june i might have to re resubscribe to my netflix account mm. <laughs> but yeah yeah I've, I've unsubscribed to a lot of streaming services recently just to you know save money but Mm-hmm. Every now and then you get a trailer come out and I'm just like, oh, do I, do I resubscribe? It's, 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 it's tough, man. It's tough. I, 
I think for me, I've really subscribed to save money, but also I've just been trying to build up my physical media collection again, just because 4K UHD is which, which is the which is what I watched uh, Saving Private Ryan on, like the mm. upscaled uh, 4K UHD, and uh, it looks Saving Private Ryan looks beautiful, and you can't get that same quality like on streaming just because of certain internet speeds and. And, and yeah, but um... well, well, I watched Saving Private Ryan the way Steven Spielberg intended on my iPhone 10, <laughs> laying in bed at two in the morning. Uh, right now, <laughs> he from a streaming service. He right now he is he he is squirming. He's squirming yeah. right now. <laughs> but yeah, he just woke up out of bed like something's not right. Something bad yeah. has happened in the universe. Someone <laughs> he, said something that's like supposed to say. He's like, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of other trailers that I've watched. Uh, yeah, I, I just pulled up. I just pulled up some um, movies coming out this year um, that I forgot to mention because you put me on the spot. But um, I think no, no, no. Um, I can't believe I missed this one. But like, I think one of the biggest films of the year is going to be Barbie. I think Barbie is just going to. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think we're not ready. I think they're going to, I've got a good feeling about this movie. I just, I know they're going to do something that we don't expect. And I got a lot of faith in that creative team. Um, of course, I'm excited for Spider-Verse. Um, I, I, okay. I know you like me for my controversial opinion. So I got one for you. <laughs> ready? You ready? Go ahead. My least anticipated film of the year is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Um, I believe Nolan's like biggest weakness is like dialogue and characters. And this mm. is based on a true story. It's it's like, there's not a lot of like, I guess there's a bit of drama. It's about creating nuclear weapons and stuff. So it's kind of dramatic, mm-hmm. but like, it's not, I'm not expecting there to be a lot of like physical drama. So I feel like it's going to come down to a lot of like philosophical debates and a bunch of like plane rooms and some explosions here and there. But I, I feel like it's just, it's has chance of being one of his weakest films, and I know Nolan fans get you know they, they think of him as a god, so I know they could might be getting their pitchforks ready, but um <laughs> I really think Oppenheimer is going to be disappointing, even though I did like Tenet, I did like Tenet. I I did not like Tenet. I thought Ooh. it was a little underwhelming, although I did not see it. I did not see it. Uh, but I saw it on my phone. So, so Christopher <laughs> Nolan is probably just Steven Spielberg's wincing for you while he well, Christopher Nolan is just like uh, sharpening his pitchfork. Pitchfork. Yes. So uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, during COVID. It was released released during COVID, so I didn't really feel comfortable going back to the theaters, and I like I paid the full twenty dollars for it, and it just was mm. really incoherent for me, and I didn't. I, I just didn't get it. The thing about Oppenheimer, though, is that I think... I don't know. I think the scale of it at this point seems like it could hit kind of like... I, I think it could hit kind of like a Dunkirk in a way. And mm. Dunkirk made like a lot of money. Um, I just did like my top 10 kind of like highest grossing like films that I think are going to make the most money this summer. And I put... I put Oppenheimer like at number eight. I think that is probably, I think that's probably fair. 
and uh, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it's going to be a little bit uh, up in the air, like uh, how successful it's going to be. I, I am just worried about Oppenheimer because I like there's a countdown clock on the Universal Pictures YouTube channel like counting down this movie like the uh. atomic bomb. I'm just like, is Christopher Nolan gonna kill us? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> is is this gonna end? Is this movie gonna end cinema and end the world that we know? And I'm like, <laughs> is some. Uh, there's some merit to your, to your theory because Nolan is always about like what oh. there is some merit have I frozen? You're, you're kind of breaking up a little bit not sure what happened there okay <laughs> it's cool it's I cool. should have pick up alright should I should I do a speed test? Maybe is it me? It's not that bad. I I could still hear you. All right, all right, okay. So I'll just I'll just go from there. Um, yeah. Right. Um, there is some merit to your theory because Nolan has a reputation of trying to do the most batshit insane dangerous things without the use of cgi i mean this guy once crashed a plane into a building uh, apparently for this he did a nuclear weapons test uh he's he's like had planes like what, what are you doing dark Knight rise like cut a plane in half in midair or whatever like so him trying to like you know kill us all uh with the, the countdown clock I, I'm, I'm not surprised he would do right. it he's that he's that crazy <laughs> he's like you're uh, he's he's like cinemas may be dying but you're. This is the last movie you'll ever see. <laughs> <You're>, like, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let anyone else come out on top. I'm gonna come out on top. <laughs> if cinema but, dies, then so do we all. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you've been watching, Matt? Um, I have been catching up on The Mandalorian because I'm a little bit mm-hmm. behind. Um. I've been watching because uh, the fans of the show go crazy, but the, there's an anime called Attack on Titan. I've been watching for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not like typical movies, but like that—that that is a wild fucking show. Um, what else have I been watching? Not not a lot at the moment, but I've been falling behind because I've been canceling the streaming services. So I haven't seen the latest season of Atlanta, so I'm pretty bummed about that. Um, so that's probably next to my to watch list. I'm probably forgetting a big one off the top of my head. Uh, what about you? What have you been watching? Um, I've been, uh, I, I've been watching Ted Lasso. I've been, that's kind of like my weekly show that I'm watching like week to week. Uh, I'm, I've been loving Ted Lasso ever since I picked it up again. Uh, I think this latest episode, probably not the latest episode when this episode airs, but the episode where they're on. Any episode when they're on the road and Ted Lasso says that there's no curfew and the and, and the show is just kind of like showing like perspectives of the players and like how they hang out like amongst each other. Mm. I feel like that's when you get kind of like the most from the show and from the characters. Like last season and season two, we had like no spoilers, but you had like a, uh, a have you seen Ted Lasso or I've started the first season and then i i just i when i when i started i ended up binging 
Um, so I like the show for sure, but I haven't gotten around back to it yet. Um, but I do see the height. It's a really well-written show. Ted Lasso is such a lovable character, but I don't know most of their names and stuff like that. So, so a lot of those references might go over my head. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's just like one, like ep- one episode that featured like one of the coaches from season two, and he was. Uh, uh, it, it was probably the best episode of season two, where it's just it's it's pretty much a short film, like about <laughs> like him going out on uh, having like a night out on the town and just kind of like just letting loose because he's kind of the uptight one. It was my favorite episode of season two and season three has an episode like this, but it involving like the, the whole entire team, which was absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm loving that. I haven't really been watching too many movies lately, but um, I have been watching a lot of YouTube. So uh, <laughs> uh, you'll be attract- both brother. <laughs> upcoming attractions on youtube i've been watching that no <laughs> uh thank you <laughs> and then uh i've also been watching a youtube channel called cinema therapy just giving them a, a, a shout out cinema therapy is a youtube channel where two basically two wonderful gentlemen talk about movies one is a therapist and one is a filmmaker and the oh. therapist kind of gives like their uh kind of like they therapize like like the movie and like, yeah. kind of, like talk about like certain elements for it, from it. That's a cool um, concept. Yeah, it's a really cool concept. And uh, one of my favorite episodes is when they did everything ever all at once, and their <sighs> the the entire video is basically them kind of like uh, going in and out of u- different universes where they're a, a cartoon. It's really well edited and really <laughs> well produced, and I. I, I've noticed that a lot of YouTube channels, like when they talk about everything everywhere all at once, there's there's always like this like multi multiverse thing that's happening like in the video where they're kind of like, oh, uh, now we're I don't know it, like if we were doing it, it would be like uh, the short lovers pod. I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. it's, it keeps and we got hot dogs out. on our fingers. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, which I think is really great that that a movie like that can kind of like inspire like all these other uh, universes. But that's pretty much all I've been watching cinema therapy on YouTube and then Ted Lasso. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, top of my head, I guess I've been really liking the new season of South park. I feel like they've gotten, it feels like they've gotten back to their roots a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the Mario brothers movie the other week, actually. We mm-hmm. haven't covered that in the podcast. That was that was my most anticipated film of the year because I grew up obsessed with Nintendo and that, that, that delivered. Um, I, it was fun. Like, obviously like I get the, the, the big debate right now with Rotten Tomatoes is like, is there a reason for critics? Because the critics were like, it's okay. And the fans are like, it's the best thing ever. But I think the, the thing is, is like critics are watching movies for different reasons than mm-hmm. the average audience thing. So whenever I see people saying like, how dare this get a bad review? It's like, well, you're, you're both looking for different things. Like, like me as a fan, if I go to watch Mario, I want to see the Cooper Troopers and I want to see the Mario Kart and I'm getting my little references and that makes me fun. But if, I, if I'm being paid to go there and review a movie, I want to be like, oh, well, the third act structure is weak. And, you know, the average film person isn't watching with that in mind. So 
Mm-hmm. That's a bait going on right now. I just think it's so dumb, uh, personally. But I love the movie. It was fun. Yeah, I personally think that the Rotten Tomatoes, like, just... The, the way people hype it up, especially online, on social media, I think is a little... <coughs> is real dumb. And, like, I, I, I just want people to just actually read the reviews that like from mm. the critics because so like if you like yeah this critic score is actually low for the mario brothers movie but if you click like it, it's saying that like 400 people reviewed the mario movie and you click each review you can actually see like how they actually felt about it instead of like just instead of like a number that is representing like an entire group of critics oh yeah yeah uh, which is why I like Letterbox more than Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm hoping <laughs> Letterbox can, can uh, uh, yeah. But for, I don't know. For, I, I, for me I, personally, I, oh sorry, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say for me personally, it's like I have this really love hate relationship with internet fandoms because I tend to not agree with stuff. Like I think it's for me because I come from a filmmaking background. I often think like a producer, and I have these. DMs with a mate of mine, we argue all the time. And because he'll be like, Oh, well, Sony's making a Venom movie and it's going to be great because it's got this character in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, Yeah, but from a producing standpoint, it's a dumb concept. You can't just slap things together and say it's good. Now, it's a lot of Marvel fans, they just need an Easter egg and they're happy or whatever. And that's fair mm-hmm. enough to them. But like, I find I end up tending to agree with critics a lot more than I do audience scores. Um, this is one of the few times where I don't. Um, so sometimes it's funny, like when you just see, I see these people on TikTok and they'll be like raging, like how dare it get this review score. And I'm sitting there just quite like, oh, well, I think they raised some good points. And <laughs> I'm trying to get better at not arguing on the internet. So same, <laughs> I keep my same. mouth shut more. I, I try and keep my mouth shut more, which is hard. And, the, and the, I, I do the exact same thing but i have a big mouth and i have a podcast so it's like <laughs> but but it's a podcast uh, of four <laughs> yeah exactly uh it's just unleash your rage onto the internet well for for most of us but <laughs> but <laughs> I, I i think the funny thing is it's like rotten with rotten tomatoes if i see a low score i want to see the movie even more like that's Ooh. like because because i i because I want to know like how bad this movie is <laughs> like if if the critics hate this and the audiences love it like is it is it uh is it actually a good movie or is it just like mm. a, like a meme movie or something like that like minions, oh, yeah. gentle minions or exactly if, if the critics hate it and the audience hate it too then like is it really that bad is this like <laughs> like i have to know it's it's like the, that curiosity like part of my brain oh, starts, yeah. uh, starts clicking but the um, curiosity part of my brain is really clicking for Bo is afraid. I haven't mm-hmm. said, I don't really want to oh, say it. I'm not, so good. I'm not so a fan good. of, well, I'm not a fan of Ariasta, which I know is heresy. A lot of people love him. So I was never interested, but I love seeing like, what makes me want to see it is how people are like, are, they're freaking out about the ending there. And like people say it was so good until this part. And I'm just like, what the hell happened? I, I would need to know what's getting this such a visual, like visceral reaction from people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's super like interesting to me. And I guess to tie this to today's topic, um, cause I'm sorry we got on long about this, but uh, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> something I always tell my co-hosts is like middle of the road movies are the best movies to talk about mm-hmm. because they got good things to talk about and they got bad things to talk about. 
movies like today's subject, Saving Private Ryan, these episodes, in my opinion, are the worst episodes because, of course, we're going to say the cinematography is great. Of course, we're going to say the acting is great. It's it, you can't criticize it, so there's less things to have a a, a conversation about sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I I realized I, I I fucked up when so I messed up. Am I allowed to swear? I, no, it, you can swear. You can swear. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Fuck shit, cunt. Yes, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I fucked up when he was like, oh, which one of these movies do you want to pick? And I'm like, well, I haven't seen this in a while, so I wouldn't mind seeing this. And then, like, I'm watching the movie just last night. I'm like, fuck. Like, I, like, like, I know you expect me to probably have some hot takes, but here's the hot take. I have no hot takes. Like, it's, it's a masterpiece. Like, I, I'm not going to come out here and be like, well... Steven Spielberg, what was he smoking? Save it, Private Ryan is trash. Like, <laughs> of course not. It's it's a revolutionary film. So, um, right. yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you for the nice segue. Without further ado, let's get into our review of Saving Private Ryan. All right. You guys just plank out here for a while. Ugh. Let me get this goddamn hitchhiker out of my boot. That was from the trailer from the 1998 film Saving Private Ryan, directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm going to read the synopsis here from IMDb. Following the Normandy landings, a group of U.S. soldiers go behind enemy lines to retrieve a paratrooper whose brothers who have been killed in action. Saving Private Ryan. Like, it had... 11 Oscar nominations in 1999. It walked away with five of them. And infamously, it should have won Best Picture. But yes. Shakespeare in Love won instead. Matt, yeah, I'll, 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 since, you're the, okay. <laughs> since you're the guest here on the podcast, <laughs> what did you think of Saving Private Ryan? Oh, boy. Um, well, as I said, masterpiece. Um it's funny, like, as I was watching it, so for context, I appeared on another podcast not long ago called uh, Clear Tinted Classics. Shoutouts to them. <laughs> and we talked about another classic film called The Maltese Falcon. And with that, like, I was just like, this is so outdated. This is that. This is still good. But, like, I had a lot more criticisms than I thought I would have. So I went into this thinking, like, oh, am I going to have – am I going to – is it going to feel really dated? Is it going to feel – like, cause cinema's changed so much. Nope. Um, I oh, everything the critics said back then still applies today. Like, you feel like you're actually there. The um, the cinematography is just mixed with the editing, like, and the sound editing. I can see why it won those awards for like sound editing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like the way that sometimes just goes purely silent while they mess around with the frame rate and you know, have all jittery and stuff. It really just gets you there. And I was thinking in my head, just like trying to compare it to recent war films. I thought of Dunkirk. I thought of um, 1917. I thought Mm -hmm. of um, Hacksaw Ridge. um, 
And I was just like, sure, those movies are great in their own right, but they're trying to do something else. And that's because you can't just try and let's emulate the atrocities of war because this movie is it. It's perfected it. It's Mm -hmm. actually incredible. Um, What I love on top of that is that it does have a really tight story of and simple story of just trying to rescue a guy. And it goes to, and it still goes to those stages of like the hero's journey and stuff. And I love that type of tight script work that um, a lot of Spielberg movies have. Um, and so it kind of just becomes this perfect storm of like these incredible action sequences with just masterful like moments of like real human connections uh, between the characters. And I, I just absolutely love this movie. Hey. Uh, what about you? What are your thoughts? I, I really love this movie too. I haven't seen it since I, I, I want to say like freshman year in high school, which is years ago, like multiple years ago. Now that I think about it. And the first, like I, the first time I saw it, I rented it at the, I, I picked it out at the library. Cause I just, I just saw it and I was like, Oh, I want, I want, I want to check this out. And I it was huge. Obviously I'm a huge Steven Spielberg fan. Like, like I love pretty much every single one of his movies, and He's I'll, the guy. I'll watch any I'll, I'll watch anything that 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 guy makes. And it, I was enthralled by it the first time I saw it. On a rewatch, I was actually surprised how much I remembered. Like same, uh, yeah. Uh, like maybe it's because of like, I'm talking about like the the Normandy shot, like on the Omaha beach, like that that. Sh- like that entire scene has been done to death in pretty much every single World War Two like movie, and mm. and like it's drilled into our brains in like video games and movies like like everywhere, but like even like the way like this movie like flows within the story, like I, it felt like I was just kind of like picking this movie up like like where I left off, and I don't know I just thought like all of like the like the character moments were really great. The cinematography, I, like it won for best cinematography by uh, Janusz Kaminski, and I think that the way this movie is shot really, in, like, like really um, inspired a lot of other cinematographers that were shooting like war movies because before the before this movie came out, like there was a, it, the way war movies were shot were kind of like documentary style. This was kind mm. of like the first film to kind of like kind of use a lot of medium shots and close-up shots where you're kind of uh, when w- like I'm sure Steven Spielberg wanted to make sure that like the audience was in it with like these soldiers and to kind of like show like the the hard times of war and just like what they were going through you see like yeah war is hell like in every way in every way possible sorry that was long-winded but no, no, no I just piggybacking off that I read something online about um I think Spielberg and his team were talking to veterans and because originally they weren't going to um, apparently his original vision wasn't to make it so grim. It was, I kept seeing a reference to a, another movie I hadn't heard of before called a boys something. I don't know, but what he, after speaking to veterans, he, he, a lot of them were saying, don't glamorize it. War is, you know, it's hell. And someone made a comment that like everything was really blurry and not because, like, vision-wise, it's because of all the explosions and the sand was, like, 
picking up. So there was lots of like grains of stuff everywhere. And apparently that really, I, I, I can tell that must've really inspired him with the cinematography and the production design, because when it gets all shaky during those war scenes, like that is a lot of it. And that's him trying to put us there in the moment. Um, the shaky cam, like again, the frame rate stuff, um, it was, it's pretty revolutionary and you just see it memed and parody and copied to death. Um, something else I read, which really blew my mind is apparently when they tried to screen this on free to air TV, mm-hmm. they actually increased the saturation of the color grade quite a bit mm-hmm. because they were getting complaints of people saying, oh, there's something wrong with our TV because it's so gray. There's like no color. Um, which just goes to show how revolutionary and, and, and unique it was for him to desaturate the colors so much, mm-hmm. which today is seems like the standard practice. Like you put it, you know, when you're editing a video, maybe you're cutting in Premiere or whatever, throw in DaVinci Resolve for your color grade and you start desaturating your colors, you start playing around with the vibrancy and all that stuff. But back then, like that wasn't really it wasn't even a a trope. It just didn't, wasn't a thing people did. And so to have such a unique color palette that was so unique that people thought there was something wrong with their TVs. That's, that's mind blowing to me. That's crazy. How do you, how do you come up with that idea? That's, that's insane. And I would, I would love to see what those terrible versions of the movie is where they've completely changed the colors and everything. I'm, it must be terrible, but that that just blows my mind. It's like the the movies being presented on those on those TVs, like at Best Buy or like an electronic store, <laughs> where they're like the the color saturation is really well like pumped up to get you to buy the TV. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it, it's crazy. Like I I, I think like I, I know we're just gonna be like just stroking Steven Spielberg like for like the next hour or something like that, but he deserves I, it. <laughs> I th- he, like he's the goat. He's the goat. But uh, I think one of the things that I, I did really like about like this film that I didn't really remember, like back in the day is that it is that uh, th- there's like the, sh- the scene where uh, it was like after like the, the Normandy like beach, like scene, and the the film cuts to like uh, America, and that like they uh, and I kind of like seeing like the like the effects of war like on uh like on the opposite side of the world, and just kind of seeing like them kind of like talking about everything that's going on. Everyone's all like buttoned up and like looking all clean, and they're like making decisions for these men. They're like actually in the shit. And mm. I think Steven Spielberg having like this, just like the way he uses colors, like in that scene that can make it kind of like, kind of like washed out and just kind of like these people aren't these, these people mean well, but they're, they don't actually know. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was actually really brilliant. I didn't really remember it. Like when I watched it, like when I was, when I was in high school and like seeing that at like aspect really was, uh, really strong and powerful for me yeah i actually rewinded it um just to double check because the transition from the war to mm-hmm. back in america was so smooth mm-hmm. um i actually wonder like how's how what, what what did i miss and it was just such a smooth it's, again just the editing for this film 
is so incredible. You know, partnered with the great directing um, mm-hmm. is so, so beautiful. Um, it really caught me off guard too, seeing our old mate Heisenberg with one arm. I, I didn't re- I didn't realize that Brian Cranston was in this film. Uh, yeah, which is which is pretty cool. It, and speaking of actors, I didn't know that were in this film. Um, our boy Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I totally I, forgot he's in this film. I totally forgot that Vin Diesel like was a. Did, was he unnamed soldier or? Uh, no, he's got a name. It's it's Carrazo Car- or something. Car- it starts yeah. with C. Carano, yeah. Carranzo, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think he's pretty yeah, good in it. <laughs> to be he honest, is. well, look, he's he's well cast. Like, if you're gonna cast a young soldier, well, they come in all shapes and sizes, but of course, there's gonna be some sort of tough guy. Mm-hmm. there and he he suits it and he, he it's still to this day probably one of his best performances because he's not overselling or over dramatizing anything um he's, he's trying to be he's doing natural stuff apparently he was cast off this um he'd only done two roles before that and spielberg saw him in an indie feature um i can't remember the name of it uh but it just makes you go damn what was the movie that convinced spielberg to put vin diesel in Save It Private Ryan. I've, I've got to watch that, whatever that is. Right. Yeah, I totally, I, I totally have to watch that now too. Um, <laughs> Matt Damon is also in this film as James James Ryan, the, the soldier that they are going to look for. And uh, young Matt Damon too, which kind of threw me So off. young. Yeah. <laughs> so he young. looks like a different person. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I read, what? I read, I read online that he, um, he was cast in this before he did Goodwill Hunting, and he was sort of cast specifically because, like, oh, it's good to have sort of an unknown actor. But then Goodwill Hunting blew up, and so it just benefited the movie to have now him in another great movie back to back. But that apparently that wasn't the intention. He, they wanted him because he was an unknown. Yeah, uh, speaking of him being like an unknown, like one thing that I just read and a mutual of mine shared this with me is that. Uh, Spielberg sent the entire cast to boot camp before when he was like shooting this movie because he wanted the cast to like feel what what it was like being like in in the military and like serving in war. But he sent everyone except for Matt Damon because there's there's spoilers for a movie that's like over twenty years old. But but uh, they like he wanted. Matt Damon, he wanted the rest of the cast to feel resentment towards Matt Damon once they finally, uh, once they finally met up with each other. Like we all know that scene where, like, they're started resenting, like, uh, like mm. James Ryan didn't didn't want to go with them. He wanted to like, he wanted to fight fight for yeah, like the ground, like the the ground that he was like protecting, and he wanted like he Steven Spielberg wanted like an authentic reaction which just proves even more that he's like the goat that he would totally like, like uh, exclude like a member of the cast from someone else to like, get like an authentic reaction. I think that's really great. Yeah. There's something um, I know this is such a out there reference, but um, something I like, I I love when it comes to storytelling Um, Dan Harmon, the guy who does community and uh, Rick and Morty and all that, he, he has this um, system of writing 
he called it's called the Dan Harmon Story Circle, mm-hmm. and he uses it for television, and I I love it, and I, I I use this all the time. It's sort of like his version of the hero's journey, and it sort of goes okay for audio listeners. It's going to be a bit awkward, but imagine like a circle, but once you hit like the bottom of the circle, that's like your character achieving what they want. Mm-hmm. but you often find out, oh, it's not what they want, or it's like they have to pay a price for getting it. And that is Matt Damon going, no, I want to stay here and fight. We have to earn it type thing. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like brings it back around. Mm-hmm. But ever since like I've learned about that, whenever I see that done well in movies, I can't stop noticing it now. Movies and TV shows. But when I see it done well, I just get this level of like, inspiration and i'm just i get really like i just really admire that and this is like the best one like Mm -hmm. this whole movie it's literally called saving private ryan and they get there and he's like i don't want to be saved i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna defend this bridge and then the they have their argument and they've got to decide well why are we really here and it is to like you know make a difference in the war and the fact they all choose to stay it just creates Yes, we still get a big action set piece, but the stakes of that set piece are so much bigger now. Because it's like, what if you go through all this shit and he still dies, you know? Like, it makes it so exciting. It is masterful. And since I'm on the topic, when when the tanks are coming in and they're just waiting, the suspense, dude, like... Mm -hmm. Oh, like that's that's the guy who did Jaws. That is definitely the guy who did Jaws. Like I'm, I'm there. I I know how the movie ends. I'm lit in my little bed with my phone, and I'm just like I'm <laughs> cringing up. It's good. Oh shit! Like it is incredible filmmaking. Um, it's amazing. I, how do you what? do? Like how do you do that? It's it's too good. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that a director can like create suspense for someone even on multiple multiple rewatches and you know it's gonna happen like that's the that's that's the sign of like a really good director that will like i I already know it's gonna happen but like i know like i still i'm still scared like i'm still like like on the couch just like oh what's (laughs) is he gonna make it out alive and stuff like that i think that's a I, I think that's really great. But uh, another factoid uh, about Saving Private Ryan, uh, it earned $481.8 million, making it the second highest grossing film of 1998. It would go on to win many accolades, including Golden Globes, Academy Awards, BAFTAs, and Saturn Awards. It is considered one of the greatest films ever made. I am personally just really excited that that you you picked this movie to to be on the show because I want you on the show, but <laughs> uh, up until now, to be honest, this entire Letterbox Top Two Fifty, like I've seen a really interesting amount of films and a lot of them I did like, but this is I, to be f- out of all of them so far, this one has been the most entertaining, which is funny because this is the second Steven Spielberg film that we're covering. One is oh, the what's first the other one? one? Ra- uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ah, good one, good one. Yeah, that. Uh, and to, to be honest, after on a rewatch, don't really like that one all that much. I like Temple okay. of Doom a little bit more. But okay, okay. But I that. this this one, like Saving Private Ryan, is like very entertaining. But also, like 
I heard I, I heard that a lot of people like when this movie came out in theaters that a lot of people that experienced war they walked out of the theater because it was yeah. just, like the sound design was just was too real for them and like that sucks that 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 happened but that that this show that just shows like how authentic like this movie actually was and it's very unfortunate for people that experienced war and experienced the, the real hell but hopefully for people that like well for people like me that haven't experienced war i can see like that side a little bit more and can be like hey we shouldn't be fighting to solve our problems anymore and i hope that's what steven spielberg was trying to do with this film Mm. that's a really interesting uh thing to point out like yeah it gave some people like ptsd or or whatever like like this the guns they're they're real guns that they um use for the sound effects and stuff they they record real guns and stuff like that It, it does make you wonder like the ethics in cinema like where is the line like I know I've encountered it myself where I've thought, I'd love to write a horror script. And then you start thinking of things that are scary. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of realize some of the things that are really scary, you don't want to watch a movie about because they're because it, you know, maybe it gets gross or it just doesn't make you uncomfortable. Or, so so you get a, like a lot of horror films, we like them because they're fun. So you gotta find the line sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like with Spielberg, what he set out to do was not to make a fun movie. It wasn't like this could have bombed at the box office. And if it did, I would have totally understood it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal was to create an authentic representation. And I think that's why some like, I don't know about you, but like, I remember, I think when I saw it, I was in school um, and I've heard many stories of this being shown in schools as a way to explain, this is what the war was like. Like, mm-hmm. so it does go to this level of it's educational. It's not just entertainment as well. So, yeah, I find that I find that really interesting. Um, hearing, hearing that it's, I feel sorry for those people who had to relive that in the cinema. You know, maybe they went there thinking it'll be patriotic or whatever. But it, it also just goes to show how, how much of a great job that team did. Yeah, and for sure. And Steven Spielberg isn't like isn't a stranger to making films like this. Like, like look at Schindler's List. Schindler's List is yeah. Is like, that before this? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh right. Schindler's List was 1990, I believe. It was like early 90s. This was late 90s. Uh, right. And Schindler's List was basically it's like you're a fly in the wall, and just kind of like experiencing like Auschwitz and like what, and it was necessary for Steven Spielberg to make that film, and I feel like it, that's his most personal film like to date. I know a lot of people want to say Fablemans, but I. I didn't care for Fablements all that much, <laughs> but, but uh, I I can see a lot of similarities between this between uh, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, just based mm. on like how much of a like a fly on the wall you like the audience was like just experiencing everything. Uh, yeah, there's not like I I want to get into like the story all that much, but there really isn't much story here. But I feel like that's what is that that's kind of like the important thing is that you're like it's it's just this team trying to find the, like this guy. That's 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 it. 
it's it's literally like the script is basically just a checklist. They go to location one, location two, location three. They find him. They defend the thing. The end. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing most people talk about is, of course, the opening um, war scene, which goes for almost half an hour, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Like the story starts 30 minutes into the film. Um, And I've seen movies do that before, and it's usually not a good thing. Uh, and this movie, it's a great thing. It really sets up the themes. And I think that's Ghost of Shark. This movie's not plot-driven. It's atmosphere-driven, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the, I yeah. love the way, like, you you, you d- described the way, way this film starts. Is like, it starts out in the graveyard. And that, d- correct me if I'm wrong, but that's supposed to be Tom Hanks, right? Like, older Tom Hanks, like, in the graveyard. Mm, and No, 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 no. I'm pretty okay. sure that's Matt. That's Matt Damon. Okay. Okay. Up. Yeah. So that's that's why at the end he's like, um, "Tell me I've lived a good life," because that was like his promise to Tom Hanks's character that yeah, he sacrifice. That's, yeah. Th- that's right. That's thing. right. Yeah. But yeah, I love like that transition of his eye, and it zooms in on his eye, and it's like it's like we're reliving his memories, which is it, it's yeah. such a be- it's such a beautiful transition to just be like. like obviously this guy is uh experiencing ptsd at this time like because uh but the steven spielberg is kind of letting the audience in on like what this guy is experiencing and and like what he experienced i think that it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. transition unfortunate that he like he experienced that but it's i i just think it's a great way to like introduce the film Oh yeah, it's you know what the intro reminds me of uh, Titanic in a way, the way that it starts off in um you know there is an older person you go back in time. Um, do you want to hear a mind blowing fact that I read on Wikipedia? So maybe it's not true, but mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy for me. Um, the original script was you know obviously was shopped around, and before it was attached with Tom Hanks and Spielberg. Uh, the original director was going to be Michael Bay, apparently. <laughs> Imagine how different that would have been. Um, be a Pearl Harbor at yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, like this thing, like it just goes to show, like, because apparently this was also optioned alongside two other war movies. One of them started again. I I I can't remember this exactly, but one of them started starred Schwarzenegger, and the other starred. Can't remember. It was either Sylvester Stallone or Jean Claude Van Damme, or something like that. And they're basically looking. I think the studio was expecting this to be like an action movie. Um, and then when Spielberg came on board, and DreamWorks came on with him, um, he had a different vision too. And it was from the research of talking to veterans. He was kind of like, okay, let's sort of let's make the theme about you know being authentic and stuff. Which just goes to show, like the power of Spielberg, because sounds like nobody tried to. Nobody's like, I'm actually Spielberg. Maybe we should no, no. That I can tell you right now, none of that happened. They 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 listened to him, and um, this is this is a vision that was brought to life, and an incredible one at that as well. Yeah, I it's def, definitely incredible uh, vision. Like we talked about, like the Omaha Beach scene, that the the infamous the the famous one that everyone has memed to death 
that scene cost a reported $11 million to shoot. It involved oh up to a thousand extras, some of whom were members of the Irish Army Reserve. And those, uh, those extras, 20 to 30 of them were ampu- amputees issued with prosthetic limbs to play soldiers who had their limbs blown off. It's like that just adds like to the authenticity. It's like it, it's it's great. Can you imagine? I, I think I'm pretty sure Dunkirk did something similar to this, where Dunkirk used like this many extras. But can you imagine directing this many people like on like a set like this? Bro, like, I, I, I can't I, even imagine. <laughs> I can't. I, I have trouble even imagining just being there as a as a mm-hmm. the guy that brings someone coffee because you would. <laughs> it would you would feel like you're literally in a war. Like mm-hmm. you've got those, uh, what do you call those big X things that are meant to stop boats and tanks getting in. And mm-hmm. you got all this military artillery around and like those things could kill someone too. So the safety procedures they would have to follow would have been insane. Like with all those explosions and cause it all feels, it feels very on the spot and chaotic, but, I assume it's not. It would have been very controlled. Mm-hmm. But, dude, just even being there. I wish I was there just to take a selfie, you know? Just just that Same. production design is crazy. <laughs> it's, that's crazy. You're like, hey, just kidding. <laughs> it, it would have been wild to be like, okay, so here's the guy with his arm blown off. Uh, the water is all red, filled with blood. And, ah, oh, have you got my Starbucks yet? Ah, oh, thanks. Cheers. And just this pure normalcy happening around that. That would that would have been a bizarre, a bizarre experience. It's like finding um, the Starbucks cup, like, on the set of Game of Thrones. They yeah. Find a Starbucks cup on <laughs> Saving Private. I, I didn't see one. Did you see one in, in a shot? <laughs> uh, I did not see any Starbucks uh, on, <laughs> on the Battle of Omaha Beach. But you yeah. know what? Like there, there, there would have been someone who whose job was to bring the coffees around. That would have right. been a thing. That's it was still a set at the end of the day. Um, it's amazing when you get some production design like that, and you really do feel like you're transported to another world. That has been a theme with a lot of Spielberg productions. I remember even just watching recently. What was it? Um, West Side Story. West Side or, Story. Yeah, West so that was last yeah. year, I think. Yeah, and even with that, it's like Spielberg's style. Usually, there are a lot. Like it's weirdly, this film does not have a lot of what I would consider to be trademark Spielberg stuff. Mm-hmm. But he usually does a lot of long takes that are like medium to wides. And instead of moving the camera and cutting all the time, the actors will just move into frame to sort of like hide that. And mm-hmm. I know they did they did that a lot on like West Side Story as well. And I just remember thinking these sets are so giant and so massive. And it's a, and it's an adaptation of fucking stage play. Like mm-hmm. where they had this amount of this much room to work with. Um so that's such an amazing theme throughout all these films. Even something like what, Ready Player One, which is just so much CGI and stuff, the grandness and scale, he really knows how to just pull back and be like take all this in but also he can do that because i'm steven spielberg look at all this money i have um right. the studios aren't gonna they're not gonna nickel and dime him you know um not, studios are gonna push back because i'm I, I am for cinema 
I am. Yes. <laughs> like he is cinema. Dude, they could get rid of all the movies in the world and just leave us with Spielberg ones. In one, there'd be I'm I, if you include the ones he produces, not just directs, but one, it'd be enough to fill up like an old blockbuster. Uh, and two, you wouldn't be bored for a while because there's a lot of variety in there, well, which is pretty we, crazy. Uh, I did a, t- a Twitter space like like series with someone else it wasn't officially mine but we covered all of steven spielberg films and what it took, it took us like nine weeks it took us Whoa. Nine, <laughs> it was like and what every day weeks. or every, how many it was like every friday every friday oh my it was gosh like four hour it was like f- four to five hour spaces <laughs> and you're covering multiple films per session we st- yeah we oh my god session. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't understand how he does it. Like he's 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 an he's an older bloke now and he still directs like what two films a year, something like that. Yeah. Um, or at least at least one a year on top of producing. It's it's incredible. I don't and there's yeah. still and there's still great movies. There's still great It's, a, it's he's, incredible. He's nominated every year. It's 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 incredible, but the thing is it's like he did not need to be nominated for best director this this year for the fabled Twins. oh and yeah sorry, sorry i thought you were gonna say for this movie i'm like hold on a second no no it, <laughs> it, it's like i'm just saying like it, since we're kind of like honoring steven spielberg a little bit for at the last part of the podcast just yeah that's that's what we should do i i think like what the academy award should do is just give him the lifetime achievement award and just be like yeah you, you're not getting nominated anymore because it's like <laughs> at this point give it have someone else get nominated and fill the steven spielberg spot or make it the steven spielberg award for best yeah. acting or something like that i love that uh i don't know it, it was wild this last oscars because he had a few noms but you just saw like um everything everywhere all at once who we were a bunch of first-time filmmakers mm-hmm. cleaning up and then what was the other film that was cleaning up this year um uh it was another war film it was all quiet oh western was it all quiet in western front yeah yeah. yeah, and just left, right, and Spielberg just stand there, but like you know, he's not upset because he's like, ah, I've got a hundred of these. That's okay. Right. Yeah, he's like, he's got a an entire closet full of like of Oscars and awards, but but yeah, uh, that's pretty hey, much all. Hmm? Look, what, what? before we wrap up, let me throw something at you. Okay, I've got okay. an idea. Since oh, this has turned into the Steven, <laughs> since this has turned into a Steven Spielberg podcast. It turns out you are basically a Steven Spielberg expert who's done all these Twitter spaces and stuff. Do you have a top five Spielberg films? Oh, you're going to have me rank them? Because that's what we did. Does that be ranked? Okay. Does that be ranked? You can, uh, they could be just, just maybe five of your favorites, maybe. Okay. So uh, obviously, Shinier's List is on there. And then okay. this film, Saving Private Ryan, for sure. Um, I got a lot of shit on that Twitter space for putting the terminal on there. <laughs> I really oh. like the terminal. I like the terminal a lot. With uh, uh, Tom Hanks, right? Is that the with one? Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, I I just like a lot of like one one uh, location films. And okay. I I understand it's not his greatest film, but I personally love it. So it's like uh, I, I I love I love the terminal a lot. I think it's really great. I th- think it's kind of a sweet film, and and I think Tom Hanks does a re- have a really good performance. Uh, 
Then we could throw Tintin on there. The Adventures Dude, of Tintin. I've I used to love reading Tintin as a kid. I still haven't seen the movie. I really need to watch that movie. It, well, Steven Spielberg, he used to read Tintin uh, as well, and he he said he was inspired to direct Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark pulled heavy influences from Tintin. And then I did not know that. And then when Weta Digital or Peter Jackson's uh, production company, Weta, uh, yeah. said that we're working on Tintin and they reached out to Steven Spielberg to direct, he said he said yes immediately. And there's so many like there's That's so many cool. shots within uh, within Tintin that are very Steven Spielberg esque that are it it was almost like because this was kind of one of his first animated films that he's ever directed and yeah i loved that he kind of had like free reign to kind of like put the camera wherever he wanted but still kind of throw it like his like his uh type of shots like in there uh and then that's cool yeah and then shoot what's the what's the last one i can't i can't um and then I would put Temple of Doom in there. I, I would put Temple of Doom. Uh, that's my favorite Indiana Jones. I, I don't like three as much. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, in my opinion, just does not hold up. But that's a whole other podcast that we did already. Go listen to that one. But, <laughs> but uh, Throw the plug but what's in your, there. What's your top five? Oh, shit, dude. Um, <laughs> fuck. Okay, well, I'm not as much of an aficionado as you. I haven't even seen Tintin. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, look, um, Jurassic Park, obviously. Um, uh, fuck it. I want to put this movie in. Save it, Private Ryan. Um, I really like... Oh, it's got so many movies. Here's the thing. I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones. I grew mm. up with The Mummy. So, like, when I end up watching Indiana Jones, I was like, oh, it's just like... The mummy, but older. And so I never, I don't get that nostalgia for it. Right. Um, Jaws, I guess Jaws. Oh, uh, I can't believe I didn't say Jaws. <laughs> that being Especially- said, I feel Jaws, like this might be controversial, but I feel like Jaws is starting to show its age a little bit. Like it's still I, I really did- masterful, but. I disagree because I recently saw it on IMAX. Oh, like, re- I haven't seen it. That'd it be still cool. holds up. It still holds up. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I as a kid, I really liked Hook, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, I really liked Minority Report. Uh, this is hard. This is hard. There's so many good films. Yeah. Even even I know this is I know it's a weird pick, but I remember watching The Post and being particularly impressed with it. And I know that's a very small scale film, but I haven't. I seen enjoyed it. it. Um. Look, I'm not saying like don't drop everything and go out to watch it. It's not going to change your life, but um, that's a, that's an underrated Spielberg one, I would say. Um, yeah, I thought you were going che- yeah, so, well, to come out with a hot take and be like Warhorse. So <laughs> I haven't seen Warhorse, um, but you know what? Though he's executive produced so many films that are also influential. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them I've only seen recently, which is like would piss off a lot of people like i saw the goonies for the first time last year i saw back to the future for the first time just a couple years ago um for the first time yeah i 
as a kid, I didn't I didn't grow up with like parents or friends who are big movie lovers. Like I fell yeah. in love with film, I guess later in towards like maybe my early twenties or like late teens. And so when I start to go back, I'll, I have a lot of like missed films there because, um, yeah. So like I've weirdly become this big aficionado of like early two thousands films and shit. Mm-hmm. I suppose so because that's like when I started really getting obsessed. But yeah, that's um, cool. You know what? I, I like that. I wasn't I'd... like shaming or anything because that's like one thing that I like to do on this pod- uh, mm. podcast is don't shame people for having seen seeing movies. Is it, which is the whole reason why I did like the series is because like the uh, letterbox has like a percentage of how many like when on the top 250 they have a percentage of how many movies you've seen i've only seen 3%. oh i've only well, seen three oh. percent <laughs> yeah so i'm like i have i obviously haven't seen a lot of like the movies in the top 250 and like that's why i'm doing the series just trying to check off the bo- check off the box uh, that's a it's thing. a cool idea man it's a yeah it's a great way for you to like get those movies crossed off your list and also create some cool content so yeah um, for sure i love that uh, man um but yeah uh, what's the last spielberg oh fuck thought i got <laughs> out of it um can i just say <laughs> the lost world nah it's that can't be lost world. um <laughs> You know what? I'll, okay, I'll 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 say I'll say one that people aren't expecting just to be unique and special. Um, Minority Report. That's a that's a good one. That I, like yeah. I think that's my, my most rewatched. Spielberg, really? For sure. Wow. I, I find like the world building is really interesting in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's I haven't seen it in a while, but like there's so many aspects of that film that just stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I gotta be honest, like much like this movie, Schindler's List. I know I've seen it, but I can't remember it very well at all. So that's why I hesitate to put that on the list. Um, right. but I know it's a classic. So yeah. I've seen it recently, and it for the first time, actually, like for the very oh, yeah. first time, and it knocked me off my feet. And it's 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 necessary for everyone to see that film. Like, like, like that's, that's a big, that's a big thing to say. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's incredible filmmaking. It's, it's really great. But, um, back to saving private Ryan, uh, (laughs) Matt, um, do you have uh, any final thoughts on saving private Ryan that you haven't already said and, or just anything you want to gloat more about, (laughs) about, (laughs) Uh, just to everybody listening, yeah, sorry if this is, if we've been a bit all over the shop, but, uh, it's kind of like what I was saying before, like more plot driven movies or medium, not perfect movies that they're, they're, they're probably easier to, to talk about. But with this, it's like, what's there to say that hasn't already been said. It, it just mm-hmm. revolutionized and so many aspects, so not revolution, pioneered, I should say it pioneered so many tropes of of war films and stuff. And I, I had a lot of flashbacks to me recently watching the Maltese Falcon for the first time, because that was the movie that sort of pioneered um, noir films. And like this sort of like, I know it's not the first war movie, but it kind of like, it set the blueprint for like, this is how you show war. And it's crazy to see how those things are still affecting war movies today. Um, it's that good. 
Um, also, we haven't said this, so I was going to say it because I'm going to get mad if I don't say it. Um, Tom Hanks is an ex. Oh, he's always great, but he's such a great protagonist in this movie. Like you really, mm-hmm. he, it's weird how they're able to set up um, this level of authority he has amongst the troops, yet still feel like an underdog somehow. Which is just a mind fuck how you juggle those two character aspects and pull that off. Um, I think it comes down a lot to performance of Tom Hanks himself, but it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. He's such a likable and uh, protagonist to follow. So well, that was the, also the, great. The thing that I found that was interesting about his character is that he, he plays it really well, and it, it like his character like before he was in the war, he was like a like a middle school teacher was it like, yeah like an English teacher, and I I just like like what people's like previous job was before like like defending or uh, or fighting for their life it, it's just kind of it to kind of pull it back to something pull it to something recently uh the last of us have you seen like, oh yeah. have you seen all love the-, the last of us yes okay, yes, yes so, so yeah. you know you uh, um melanie Lewinsky's character in the last of us how she used to be kind of like I, I see her character kind of like like uh like like a soccer mom or something like that but like yeah yeah apocalypse, she is like the leader of like this tribe uh that's kind of how i saw like like tom hanks like different professions for different environments kind of like how they uh how they are present how they present present themselves and how they see uh, how p- other people's perceive them. I think that's, I think it's really great and really well performed by Tom Hanks. I like that comparison. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just, it makes you wonder like if shit hit the fan right now, would I step up? <laughs> I wouldn't. Cause I'm a, I'm a wuss. I'd, I'd be crying. I'd be in a corner, but you know, you never know who could, who could be leading the trap, leading the troops. Right. Uh, that, but, but yeah, that's something that I really liked about like Tom Hanks as character. Um, my final thoughts. I don't like what. Can, what can I say that you haven't already said, or everyone else has been said? This this film <laughs> is a masterpiece. But uh, I always like to say, since this is since we're going through the letterbox like top two fifty, the letterbox has a five star rating. What would you rate? It's obviously going to be five stars, right? <laughs> Actually, I think it should be one. Uh, this <laughs> no, nah, of course. It's five. In fact, I'd imagine most films would be five. What I'm curious is what Letterbox has given. Like, what is it ranked on the top 250? I I uh, believe right now it is ranked at like 247. I oh, think? so it's low. Yeah, it's it's what? just it's it has like a 4.2 average, actually. Uh, what are the criticisms? I uh, I want to know yeah. what are the criticisms. <laughs> Who's well, talking you know, shit on Saving Private Ryan? It it's it's a uh, it's Letterbox. It, that's like, <laughs> that, like I love I love I, I love the website, but it's just it's it's it, there's there's a lot of discourse everywhere. I just want to say, uh, I'll, that's I a great it, response. It's Letterbox. I, I'm giving I'm giving it four and a half stars. Uh, it for some reason for me it's hard for films to get five stars, but I, I four four and a half with a heart. Like I like this film a lot. I think it's incredibly like inspirational for like for the films that came after it, and uh, it's a really great film and my favorite film that we have covered so far. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. say this: 
it's not my type of film. Like it's not the film that I would pick out to watch down to my personal taste, but I have, I want to give it five stars. Cause like it knows what it's setting out to do and it achieves it, it with flying colors. Like mm-hmm. if I was to put this up against one of my, I don't know, favorite guilty pleasure movies, I might have the rating lower, but um, I, I do like it when I see a film, like it knows what it wants to be. And it just goes for it. And yeah, yeah, that's really great. I think for me, the reason why it's four and a half is that I found this film very hard to watch sometimes just because of the violence. Understandable, yeah. And I, like, especially, like, living here in America, too, uh, with, like, (laughs) gun violence and stuff like that, I've been, it's, seeing guns, like, on screen, it's become very hard. And I feel like back then, I would have said five stars, but now, since it's, like, America is like this war torn like country. Wow. That's it's, crazy. Like I would I have four and a half because I don't want to see that anymore. But still a great I, film. It's really great. I don't mean to laugh, so I'm sorry if I come off as insensitive, no, but it's, it's just crazy to me because like I have a friend who lives in Chicago. Um and she messaged me this morning just be like, I need to move to fucking Australia. This place she she just started telling me some stories about some uh gun violence related stuff and i was just like damn dude like we live on very different sides of the country of the planet of the planet it's uh yeah like when i see guns i think of movies and video games i don't think of real life it's so i can't imagine that sort of shit dude that's that's wild it's it's funny that americans are willing to to deal with deadly insects and and bugs and, and not trying to hate on Australia, uh, but I'm just saying you got some pretty scary bugs and ins- and, and did, uh, creatures out there. All right, look, because you're my friend, I'll I'll let you know on a secret. Um, that is just a myth we put out there to tell people to stop coming here. The spiders, the they're all, we didn't we, we didn't have spiders. They don't exist. That, that's not true. That's not true. We spiders we have some scary exist. stuff. We do have some scary. You know what though? Like to me, I guess I'm. We do have some crazy stuff, but like I'm so used to it that like it doesn't seem that insane to me. But every now and then, like I'll have a like an American friend send me a photo. They'll be like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, you just see them in your drain sometimes. Like it's not a big deal." And they'll be like, "This could kill you." I'm like, "I think you have bigger things to worry about." <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like spiders. That's the yeah. That's, that's my thing. But no, uh, me, me too. I'm a I'm a little bitch. Um, yeah, I, I live here. I live in the home of the spiders and, and I don't like them either. Like, <laughs> I scream um, like a little girl. <laughs> but stay tuned, if you don't like spiders, to what we'll be talking about next week here on the Real Lovers podcast, the Letterbox series. Uh, <laughs> what a but, segue. But, but before but before I get it, before I reveal the next film, Matt, where can people find you online? Oh, um, you guys can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Vellamat. Um, also, if you want to follow my own filmmaking endeavors, uh, find Vellamat Films on YouTube. Uh, I also have a podcast called Upcoming Attractions. We're not super active these days, but um, every now and then, if you want to hear some op- crazy opinions about some upcoming films, you can <laughs> check us out there on TikTok and YouTube as well. Um, Definitely yeah. go to... Definitely go check out what Matt's doing and the upcoming attractions podcast. All the links will be in the description down below. 
or whatever, if it's off to the side, wherever it is, wherever you're listening, you can listen to the Real Lovers podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. You can follow me at Marley Loves Film pretty much anywhere where you can post or post a video or write. I'm Mar- at Marley Loves Film pretty much everywhere. Letterbox, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Follow me there. Let's talk some films. Next week on the pod, we're going to be talking about the 1971 film, The Devils, directed by Ken Russell. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know I, that one. I don't know it either. I haven't seen it, but uh, here's a here's a synopsis here from Letterboxd.com. A dramatized historical account of the rise and fall of Urbane Grandier and a 17th century Roman Catholic priest accused of witchcraft following alleged demonic possessions of sexually repressed nuns. Ooh, sounds that like, sounds metal. That's sounds, metal. So, sounds metal, but sounds very film bro. <laughs> Which is yeah. something that I've been discovering throughout this entire series that I'm doing, but I'm here for it. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm excited <laughs> for it. Uh, so if you, that film looks really great, watch it. Tune in next week and listen to our discussion. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Um uh, Thank you for having me. This is so great to catch up with you, man. Exactly. This has been a wonderful catch up and just conversation about uh, conversation about film. Uh, my name's Marley Silverbrand for the Real Livers podcast. And, and yeah. I'm Matt Vella from Upcoming Attractions and Vella Matt Films. Thank you for hanging out with us today. You guys are awesome. And keep watching films. See you. Laters. <laughs>